everybody, and welcome to... I'm talking here! With me, Aaron Day. And me, Rob Brent. And, and here's Adam. Adam! Hello. Short, sweet, that'll yeah. do. Why do you never smile, though? You know... I'm terrified. Rob and I, we <laughs> go full pelt at the beginning, and there's you sitting there. Why are you petrified? Just the whole atmosphere. I'm locked in a room with two people with here. two appropriate adults, it's fine. Appropriate. That's what you want them to believe. Oh, that's awful stuff. <laughs> <laughs> How are we all doing? Are we all well? Are we all good? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I don't feel locked in or anything. That was incredibly creepy. I think I should what clarify before, that though? was a joke. Just yeah, in case any, so joke any social services get involved. Or we sue you for slander. Yeah. yeah. I don't wanna... what, sue me for what? Rocky Five reference. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I've had a I've had a great week. I've watched quite quite a few films this week actually. Have you? Quite good to good to do. Nothing that's really made it into recommendations though yet. Okay. So I was a bit disappointed with that, but oh. don't you worry. I still have a recommendation. A range of genres. Um, like a crime mm -hmm. film. Can I say the films? Yeah, sure. Bad Times at the El Royale. Right. I quite like Drew Goddard, so I was quite excited for that. Uh, I watched the film obviously that we're we're doing today. Mm -hmm. That's it. When you say quite a few, <laughs> so that's quite a few. That's two. two rhymes. That's that's two films. Two. Quite a few is like four or five. Four or five. All right. Let's see. No, I didn't. No, watch, don't make no. them up. You well, watched. You watched what? two minutes of Captain Alex. Oh yes, I watched a bit of Who Killed Captain Alex. Does that Excellent. count? No. It's barely even a film as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. That's fine. You gonna ask me what I got up to on the weekend? Oh, or? sorry. What did you get up to? Oh well, no, I went to see Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark as well. So the three. Guillermo del Toro. Oh, so okay. So several. Is that right? Several. Several. Not okay. quite a few though. Okay, I'll work for that next week. You want to ask? Me oh, sorry. How, how was your weekend? So Aaron, talking myself in the third person, did the Great North Run. Yay! Yay. Where did you come? Uh, One thousand eight hundred and ninety-fourth. Out of how many? Like 50,000. Oh, well pretty done. Good. Top like 5% mm. in in the country or in that particular event, I should say. Fantastic. Yeah. So what time was that? One hour and 37 minutes. Oh, goodness. How far is the Great North Run? 13.1 miles. Oh, that's all good information. Is about this the some North sort of Great North Run test now? Well, in fairness, I've... Who created <laughs> the Great North Run? Well, that would be uh, Mr. Brendan Foster. Oh, you actually know? No. Oh. I think that's Brendan Foster. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Brendan Fraser. No. no. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> but yeah, so I, yeah, I, I had a great time. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. It was warm. Uh -huh. I had a wonderful uh, run. Mm -hmm. And I high-fived lots of people at the end. And lots of hugs and handshaking. And... Did they want you to? Or did you just <laughs> no, impose was... yourself on them? I, I was just throwing myself <laughs> onto people. So This is I why I'm like, terrified. I was like, I was like, Farah, come here, buddy. Fantastic. Did you meet him? No, I didn't oh. meet Farah. Oh. No. But guess who I did come Oh, here we go. No. no. no we'll, we'll, leave that, we'll leave that little uh, celebrity nugget for another time, I think. Mm, I so, like the smugness on your face. Though. Yeah, I know. That's no. great. That's really, really good. But we do have a celebrity subscriber now, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll, we will reveal this person at a later time. Um, but we, we wish our celebrity subscriber... Uh, uh, <laughs> good, it. good luck. Like, like an unsubscribe. Yeah, yeah, I know. As you talk. Yeah. <laughs> Back and out. 
I was only doing this as a friendly. <laughs> I was only doing this as a friendly favour to a, to a mate of mine, and uh, his podcast is rubbish. And there you go. There's an impression of him. So if that sounds no, <laughs> that's similar, that then you know like, who the celebrity is. That sounds like in contact like if you think you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. So today's podcast, we are going to be looking at WTF moments in mm-hmm. films which obviously what does wtf stand for uh, what the film what the film what Obvi- the film of course it does yeah. it wouldn't ever stand for anything else would no, it rob no or adam hmm. no fish what the fish what the fish right. so we're gonna look at what, the what- flip-flop all right pack it in you too <laughs> sorry right <laughs> what what the film or wtf moments uh across films and and movies um then we're going to go into a real in-depth uh, discussion and review of uh, Boots Riley's film Sorry to Bother You mm. uh, then we'll do our The Good, The Bad and The Balron yes and we'll also do our 30 second recommendations near towards the end shall we jump in guys let's do it let's jump okay so as we said in the intro, we are now going to discuss our what the film moments. And um, if you have seen Sorry to Bother You, this is inspired by that film. And if you have seen that film, you probably know why we're choosing to do this. Um, yeah, Sorry to Bother You goes off into some <laughs> wild and weird places. It's it's one of those films where you'd be able to say to someone that moment. And they would know exactly which moment you are on about. Um, So we started thinking about other films that have this, where all of a sudden something blindsides you out of nowhere uh, into the film. We need to lay some ground rules, though. Yes. When we talk about WTF moments, Mm -hmm. or what the film moments, Mm -hmm. definitely not what the fish, we are talking, we're not talking about plot twists. So we're not, so... <laughs> We're not. To- that was my spoiler. Is that what you promised us? To that was my. That was my spoiler alarm air horn. Don't do it again. Right? <laughs> Are you going to do that every time? No. A spoiler. Thank goodness. No, I won't. Are you going in the battle. <laughs> um. Yeah, we won't. Uh, we're not. We're not talking plot twists. For example. Oh my uh, god. <laughs> For example, Bruce Willis oh, oh, oh. Oh, no, you've done is the a noise. ghost. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've done the noise. Bruce Willis is a ghost in The Sixth Sense. Yeah. That's that's a plot twist, not a what the film or WTF yeah. moment. Yeah. We're talking about something that is really kind of out of the blue. Does it is not? You know, it may sort of be a plot development, um, but just something you just sideswiped you. Yeah. 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 Okay. Lovely. Do you want to? Who wants to go first? Then really? I'll go first. Go on then. Kick us off. Yeah. Well, shall I start off with a really, really obvious one? Yeah, go the for red, it. The red pill, the Matrix. The red pill? Yeah. Or is it the blue pill? I don't know. It's the what, red what, pill. What do, you, what do you mean by that as a what the film moment? Well, because unless unless you watch lots of trailers before you went to go see the film, the whole idea of you know the world being some sort of programmed thing that humans are attached to un- unknowingly mm. i think is a huge wtf moment it's not a plot mm. twist because it happens so early on in the film would you not expect something weird to come though in that film because you've had um you, Moss, Tr- trinity yeah but you've you, had her all freeze up in the sky surely yeah, that's in, in the, the wtf first... moment 
No, that's just a great moment in cinema. That's... I don't think The Matrix, at least the first one, doesn't really have WTF moment. Hmm. Okay. Why? I don't know, I just feel like nothing hit me like a bus. I mean, the weird, <laughs> the weird rave scene in the Matrix. Yeah, that's Reloaded. the only one that I would probably go yeah, with. Zion. The, the, yeah, the the yeah the Zion rave scene in the Matrix Reloaded. That is odd, but I do think that 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 first moment when it's he effectively goes down the rabbit hole and he comes out and he's bald and he's in all that good. Ah, okay. Right, okay. I'm more I mean? with you there. Yeah, that, I'm that's more what with I'm you saying. There. That is that is a that everything that comes after the swallowing of the red pill. Right. Is, right, is a full. WTF moment. I'll, I'll completely agree with you there. Thank when he you. wakes up and gets flushed down the toilet. I know. On his like way. flushed away. Yeah. Like flushed away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Adam, over to you. Uh, a WTF moment. Funny games. Right. Oh, don't. <laughs> You're not meant to mention that, okay? Because I know. No, so, stop. Okay. So I know to, pe- love it. to people who, if you've only just come into <laughs> listening to our podcast in this first episode of the most recent episodes, uh, I hate the film Funny Games. But, uh, and I went on a massive rant about it a few months ago. But Adam, tell us, tell us your WTF moment whilst I turn away from you. Now, I will just say, if you haven't seen Funny Games, I think still just watch it because this... I'm, I'm completely with you here. This is completely what the film... Go on, Adam. Remote control. Where yes. it doesn't go his way, so he rewinds it to before it uh, went wrong and redoes that part, so it does go his way. Which, because throughout the entire film, right, the reason is, it's throughout the entire film, whilst there's um, sort of like um, breaking the fourth wall yes. and things like that, which aren't usually standard in film, uh, in the way they film it, um, it's still quite a normal... House invasion film for the most part, and as well speaking to the audience is a, yeah. a movie technique that yeah. is used in a lot mm. of other things. Mm-hmm. So it the way re- they do it's a bit different. It's like yeah. it takes out the thing, but throughout most of it, it is a normal house invasion film until all of a sudden he goes no, nope. rewinds and goes this is how I want it done. It comes out of nowhere. I will I will give it to you. Yeah. Despite how much I despise this film, that absolutely is a WTF moment because it is it's a side Because I think it's one of the things that you, you could never have predicted that to happen, given what mm. like what has came beforehand, you couldn't really predict that to come next. Yeah. And I think that is something no one thought, well, obviously he's gonna get the remote and rewind it. Yeah. There's no way that would happen. So that is my top. WTF moment. Your top one. I think it might be my from what my list. Okay, it's probably my favorite one. Rob, I'm got? looking at mine now, and I feel like they're not they're not up to a par with remote control. But I'm gonna go with. Have you seen the film Machete? Yes. Danny Trejo. Trejo. Yeah. Robert uh, Rodriguez. Yeah. Yeah. Intestines. Yeah, go on. Yeah, so now I want you knowing that <laughs> knowing that we have younger listeners to this podcast, I want you to go through this in in insanely defined details. Okay. <laughs> Your in- time begins insanely now. Defined details. Yeah. So, like, to the point of exactly what he does. Yep. Because we've got younger listeners. That's what you're requesting <laughs> me to do. I was. I was. No, I, okay. Yeah. Okay. So you have uh, Machete is. <laughs> it's just such a good film. It's absolutely you know it's ridiculous and you know it's gonna it's gonna go there, but nothing prepared me for this point. So uh Danny Trego's character Machete has been checked into hospital 
um, and the the goons, like the bad guys, come along and try and take him out. But he's got better ideas, and he takes them out first. Um, however, he decides there's like three of them left, and he needs to get to uh, the, the lower levels. So most people, you know, you go for the stairs, you go for the lift. No, not Machete. He decides to... Uh, Cut a, cut a guy's stomach. Disembowel. Disembowel him. Yep. Run with his intestines. <laughs> smash out the window. <laughs> and so he can um, abseil down <laughs> into the window underneath and smash in. If that, <laughs> that, I knew this film was going to be ridiculous going in. And that moment, just I, I just didn't see it coming at all. There's, there's one thing with gore, but to disembowel someone and then use them <laughs> uh, to swing you away like Nathan Drake was absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> Good Nathan Drake reference. I so like yeah, that. I think that's, that's, yeah, completely just what the film. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. Six, uh, well, not words, but yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Numbers? Ready? One name, one title of the film, Samuel L. Jackson, Deep Blue Sea. Yes! Right? Eaten by a shark. Eaten by a shark, like, what a third of the way into the film, a halfway into the film, mm-hmm. just as it's he's just given off this massive monologue mm-hmm. in the in the science lab area of this underwater complex. Yeah, it's underwater, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or well, it's on the water at least. And this shark just comes out of nowhere and just plucks him out of thin air and drags him under smashes and him around him. a bit, smashes him around yeah. a bit, and then he's gone. And I think what makes that such a WTF moment is because. In all of the advertising for the film, the marketing for the film, he is the uh, he he is the, the the main star of the film, and it's very much like um, there was a there was a previous there was a film that had Steven Seagal and I, I want to say Kurt Russell, and I think it was called Executive Decision, and Kurt Russell again was the oh, I'm sorry if it's not Kurt Russell, but he was. Um, the the main star in that film and he gets sucked out of an airplane midair and it's then the rest of the film I think is Steven Seagal's I might be wrong with that (laughs) (laughs) but moving back to my previous point yeah Samuel L. Jackson being bashed and munched Uh by a shark in that moment just changes the whole right well who's the Who's the who's the character we're supposed to be following now? Yeah. So no, I completely agree with you. I had it on my list as well because I remember watching that as a kid mm. and just not expecting that to. Even regardless of knowing the promotions on it, yeah. And um, the speech that he gives before, and especially films of that era, yeah. was right. This is where they all get together. That no way did you expect them the shark to be like right. That's yeah. my next victim. That's the next person going out because films just didn't work that way back yeah. then. That trope. Mm-hmm. in that particular moment is just well and truly annihilated yeah. and that's why it's so good yeah um, similar to that would be recent Hereditary I got Hereditary down you yeah. got Hereditary down yeah. as well uh, <laughs> where the it's built up for everything that the kid is one of the main uh, plot points hold on oh because this if you've not seen it, this scene is the standout. And it's standout quite a recent film yeah, as well, so you've got to be careful. Go That's why so, they... And then just because the head wiped off. Yep. <laughs> wiped off? <laughs> yeah. Like, just... <laughs> I'm just going to wipe that head off. <laughs> Let me just get my flash away and wipe your head off. It's a bit flash. more than... <laughs> oh, bit... It's more like slip bang. <laughs> I would say it's more like oven pride. 
Yeah. No, that's a very similar vein, built up throughout, and then isn't. Yeah. Uh, that's not my thing, but yes. Um, oh, I thought that was your next one. No, no, I was just cut, explain it from. in great. Explain it. Just, just explain. Again. Spoiler. Right. Go, quick. So she's basically built up as in all the promotions. The daughter of the family. Daughter of the family. Yeah. yeah. Is built as one of the main. Um, not potential antagonists. Antagonists, yeah. also plot devices yes. throughout, and also for the first half of the film, it's built up like so, sort of like uh, maybe exorcist omen sort of sort yeah. of film. Yeah. But then halfway through, heads off. And <laughs> how, you say heads how, off? How, how is right. she? How is she decapitated? Uh, oh is it, yeah, it's in the car. She's, in the, she's gone to the party she, with her brother. She's it's part of her brother, and she's had a piece of cake yes. with nuts. Yeah, but she has an allergy. She has an anaphylaxis. She goes into anaphylaxis. So he's driving under. Uh, he's just had drugs, and he's driving to try and get a hospital. Yeah, she opens the window, get get some air, uh, and then. Telephone pole. Telephone pole. Head's Bang gone. and the head is gone. <laughs> In the face. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh, I mean, we're I laughing didn't... about it, but it, it's traumatic. Like, was, scene. was that telephone post sponsored by Barry Scott? <laughs> I hope so. Hi, I'm Barry Scott. <laughs> this would have been a better WTF <laughs> moment if Barry Scott then came on screen. Right, rein it in. Sorry. Right. So, you know, but, um, I mean, differences with this one, the film goes downhill. It really does. Significantly yeah. afterwards. Yes, it does. And you're thinking, WTF, why has it gone so bad? But I did like the ending but, of that film. Like, I like, there was a particular shot in Hereditary where the son wakes up from his bed and it's that long, looming shot and you see something in the corner and you and that's a WTF moment as well. There's a, I mean, that film... Because I was thinking Midsommar a lot when we were thinking about oh, this. Oh, God, yes. And yeah, I but just we, thought, we spoke about that quite recently, Should we put we? them on? Because both those films are just filled with WTF moments and that's yeah. what makes them great in a sense because yeah. you never know what's coming your way. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, what was yours? Oh, come back to me. Come back to I'll yours? What else have I... Oh, I put Little Nicky. On mine, okay. with uh, the delightful Adam Sandler <laughs> comedy. I never expected you to cover Adam Sandler film ever. Well, yes, me neither. <laughs> I was really trying to think what what, what moments in piece of <laughs> right. Go on. What what moments? And mostly as a kid, when I watching films, and all of a sudden I was like, that is just random, and they often make me laugh. And there was nothing better than I think Little Nicky in Central Park. I think he's on a stone or something, and um, he's having trouble and stuff, potentially having a fit. And all of a sudden, he stops, turns his head, and says, I will eat your heart! And just that, for me, completely, I don't know, it made me laugh a lot. But I fear if I watched watched any Adam Sandler films now, I'd just feel really sad with myself that that was portion of my childhood. Oh, no, I think the thing is... Adam Sandler did do some ridiculous but quite funny films in his early years. Happy Gilmore, in particular, has got loads of WTF moments in it. Big Daddy, I used to like. Yeah, I liked Big Daddy as well, but you know. So yeah, yeah. that's one from me. Adam Sandler's performance. (laughs) (laughs) Not the film. (laughs) Could I I string off quite a few here? Go on then, rattle some off, off. rattle some off. So, uh, okay, Moana, the chicken instead of the pig. I think is a WTF Ooh, that's moment. A nice one. I, so because every Disney princess has some sort of 
a assistant or helper mm-hmm. that helps them along on their journey. And I think what was the great thing about Moana is that you expect it to be the pig. Mm-hmm. She has two animals that she keeps. She has a, a, a pig and a really stupid chicken. Hey, hey. And hey, hey, yeah. And when she goes off on her travels and she leaves the island, um, the pig is already very scared from going into the water because of a previous incident. And the chicken just happens to find himself on the boat, freaks out completely. And the chicken ends up becoming something quite significant in the film. So I got that. Uh, Spider-Man 3, when Peter Parker becomes the Fonz. Nice. Um, that's that's just so out of left field <laughs> and, and stupid. And it's rubbish, but I it's like definitely a WTF I reference moment. that in, um, is it, in the Spider-Verse. Yeah. 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 Go, and this happened, but we yeah. don't talk about it. Yeah. Um, everything in being John Malkovich. Um, <laughs> the live octopus dinner in Old Boy. So it's Still not seen, still not seen it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So uh, the, the main character... Uh, eats an octopus. Eats a live octopus, and it's an actual live octopus. Fantastic. Well, well not, the, any, not anymore. Not I anymore. Presume. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you won't have seen this either, but there's a Japanese film uh, directed by T- Takashi Miike called uh, uh, Dead or Alive, and it's the first ten minutes of that film. The fighting game. Is it an no, adaptation? No, it's got nothing to do with that. <laughs> it's more. It's more. Imagine like a comic book version of. Um, like Yakuza, nice. Mafia, yeah. um, sort of infighting. Okay. And it's nuts. And it has as much debauchery as what you can fit within 10 minutes, including a, a, a part where a Yakuza boss is shotgunned in the back and he has just eaten a lot of noodles. And the shot, <laughs> the shot, wait, wait, wait. The, the 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 guy comes in, sh- shotgun shells him in the back, mm-hmm. and his noodles come out the front and spray onto the camera. Fantastic! Yeah. Just noodles, uh, noodles, and obviously like oh, right, stomach okay. bile okay. and the rest. So yeah, well, a so, lot of noodles. So there's my list. That's very good. Do you want to wrap up yours? I'll wrap, so rattle some of mine off. Yeah, yeah go on. one was talking about because we watched it together, mm-hmm. and we would keep looking at each other and what on earth's going on. Ready Player One, <gasps> The Shining, The Shining, The Shining. Yeah, right. okay, yeah, right. okay. yeah. We, we both looked at each other like, "What? The Shining?" One thing because it was a twelve as well. It was a twelve, and in and fairness, a lot of things within that, we were confused at what well, was going on. We were running a club. Yeah, we were in a club. For students. For students, and then The Shining all of a sudden comes on the screen, and we're thinking, and "What Chucky is going later on? on?" Chucky on the face as well. I think that was more <laughs> as, as being worried about <laughs> what we were actually <laughs> showing. Uh, on the screen, but we'll yeah, shining. Um, I put Blue Velvet down. I put down anything David Lynch. Yeah, and I think see, that covers it. Now, all. I was just think, but that's weird throughout. But you never expect any of the weirdness to happen. I think that's the difference with it. It's it's mm. when the films mm-hmm. you don't expect it to no. come, and that's when like the, the biggest bit, WTF. He finds an ear in the grass. Yeah, and like that sets up a weird film. But even everything after that, mm. you couldn't predict that happening. No. Uh, so anything in blue velvet. I've listed some examples. Baby loves the blue velvet. Uh, naked woman with bruises runs out. Missing here. Um, let's think. The Robocop. Mm-hmm. When uh, he gets obliterated by shotguns early on. Um, because the entire film's set up as he is a stereotypical 80s action hero. And then he's just got his arms and legs blown off with a shotgun. Right. 
Um, what else? Uh, <laughs> last one, Donnie Darko ending. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, okay. again, uh, that whole film. The whole film say. is strange, but the ending goes completely off. I think. Like I think because a lot of it, why has got weird. Do things, I like, do I need to get my horn out? I was good. Well, I mean, I don't think so you, that you can right. discuss it. I don't think you could I can't spoil it because you don't. I don't fully understand, understand it. it. Yeah. But oh. throughout the film, right? <laughs> <laughs> throughout, throughout the film, it's kind of like it's got we- <laughs> it's got, <laughs> it's got weird like scenes of it just throughout. But then it's kind of also filmed as like just a normal high school drama for a lot of it, with that yeah, weird yeah. bit in the background. I get that. Time. I think as a collection, there's as a no collection. single moment that suddenly by by the end of it, you're already like, yeah. No, fair I think enough. I think by the end, the bit yeah. is horn. There's, there's, uh, there's, the, bit, there's, the, bit, the bit is for me is the when they go at the cellar door, and then she's dead, and he turns back time like Cher. <laughs> that'd been great if they put that song at the end of Donnie Darko it's pretty rough but that was it for me so that's my list I feel like we need to vote for one okay okay so oh. remember you can't vote for I, I won't rattle off the end you of my list you can't vote for your own uh, Adam we'll start with you oh come back okay Rob what, what we said uh, remote control funny games okay uh, mine uh, you can't vote for your own no, I know. Oh. What have you two said? That all good? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, did all I say right. CGI no. Dwayne the Rock Johnson? <laughs> oh, what in the Scorpion yeah. King? No, you didn't. But oh. that would be. Oh, CG- no, no, no. That's not Scorpion King, is it? No, it's that's the second, in the, the second, second one. He comes out at the end, and it's oh, yeah. C- it's like PlayStation Two. <laughs> yeah, that that would actually win it for me. Yeah, CGI yeah. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Um, <laughs> but also, we both we both wrote down. Deep Blue Sea, Samuel L. Jackson. We did. We so did both can I right vote there, for that then? Even oh, though it's mine as well. Oh, cheat. Yeah, cheat, cheat. Right, now, Adam, what, what are you voting for? I'm putting Little Nicky down. What? <laughs> <laughs> Just got a little expected. What? Out of his mouth to go, Little Nicky. <laughs> are you on about me? Out of his expecting... mouth is me. I was expecting you to reenact scenes from Little Nicky. <laughs> so well, that you never know. That that is a WTF moment for me. Right, <laughs> so re- I thought I'd do it. Recreating that. I'm 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 sensing a lot of uh, like nepotism going on here and favoritism. Nepotism. Nepotism. Don't we not, have to be related yeah, for related. nepotism? Sorry, are we related? Fa- favoritism. <laughs> like li- li- little Nicky's rubbish. That's a rubbish option. What are you, what are you on about favoritism? He's just fa- he's, he's voted for it. Well, I'm, I'm, look, right, fact of the matter is, right, can we all just agree that Samuel L. Jackson being eaten in Deep Blue Sea is the best WTF? Did you have no, that? I, I could, Did I could you have that written down as well? I have that one. Oh, no, I can't, I can't, yeah. I can't. I'll go for yours. Yeah. I'll go for yours. I'll go for Rob, Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. I don't remember what I said, but I'm, I'm sticking with my guns. Funny right. games, that's what I said. Funny, right. <laughs> Funny games wins. <laughs> <laughs> and now, on to Sorry to Bother You. And now it's time for our main feature of our podcast called Is It A Classic? Where we combine uh, a review and a discussion in one and we go really in depth on a film that we have watched, the three of us have watched recently. And the idea is, is at the end of our discussion of the film, we decide whether the film is a classic. Is it going to be something that is going to be really fondly remembered in 15 years time? Um, doesn't have to be by a wide range of people. 
would it be deemed as a classic of the cinema and film world? So, this week's film, Rob? Uh, this week we are going to be discussing the film Sorry to Bother You. Would you like me to fill you in on, on what it's about? Yeah, go for it. Director, stars, the lot. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> you've got, we've got uh, the lead character of Cassius Green. Uh, he is... I don't know where he starts. Well, he starts off in a garage, and it's about him trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life. And he ends up... Actually, it starts off with him interviewing at a call centre. Yeah, he gets a job as a telemarketer. He does, in a yeah. very, very funny way. Like, off the bat, you could tell that this film definitely had humour um, with him bringing along his massive trophy yeah. to show off uh, yeah. what he's been doing. Um, so you start to get his life in terms of the, of the call centre... I, you start to get some really interesting things uh, and done in terms of the film, of how it's presented. Um, and, I, I, well, with this film, it's really got something to say. Mm. But I'd say the way it says it is quite unique. Quite, yeah. quite loud, really. Yeah, loud and, loud and proud. Yeah, yeah not subtle. It definitely doesn't shy away from doing the things that... Who's the director? Boots? Boots, Boots Riley. Boots Riley that he wanted to achieve. I feel like he did just have this idea of this is what it's going to be. This is my idea. And mm. this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah. And for the most part, I'd say it does come across quite nicely. So, so yeah. So, it, he... Cassius starts off basically living in a garage uh, underneath his uncle's house. It's a, um, yes, played by <laughs> played by the wonderful Terry Crews. Yes. Um, he is poor, but he has uh, he is in a very loving relationship uh, with his girlfriend, played by the wonderful Tessa Thompson. Yeah, the cast um, is awesome. Recently seen as Valkyrie in the Avengers and and Thor Ragnarok, um, and he finds himself becoming very successful as a telemarketer and being able to sell things to people over the phone um but the way that he does this is uh danny glover makes an appearance in mm -hmm. this film uh, as a, a fellow colleague at this telemarketing company and he tells cassius played by lakeith stanfield that uh in order for him to be successful as a telemarketer he has to use his white voice and from that mm -hmm. Effectively, from that point is when the film starts to really become a very surreal um, film. Yeah, but not not surreal in the sense that it becomes impenetrable. It doesn't it's, it doesn't become a film that is uh, so strange in a Lynchian way. No, it's it's not allegorical in yeah. any shape or form whatsoever. But what were your expectations going into the film? With with this film, this was this was I can't remember where I came across it. Mm. I think it must have been on when they were talking about other films and this one was mentioned as well. Yeah. So it was pegged to be like, "Oh, I I need to watch that film." Mm. And then um other people had said it's very weird. And so going into it, I was I was prepared for it to be quite weird, but I I didn't know whether it might be I had no ideas with this film whether it might be even just a, a sci-fi genre and it was weird in the sense that there were Aliens or something like that. Yeah. But I was quite pleased to find that it was weird in the in the way that it was the it was filmed. Mm. Like you're saying with the white voice, I think it's David Cross does yeah, the so, voice so David, <laughs> when he David, comes across. David Cross does. Uh, so when when Cassius puts on his white voice, it is effectively a voiceover, mm -hmm. and that voiceover is performed by the comedian David Cross. Yeah. yeah. 
And so my expectations were anything could happen when I was putting on, which was quite exciting. Yeah. Um, and then to see this sort of unravel in front of us was was very interesting. What, what were your you, expectations? Adam? The only thing I heard about it was um, you saying, I really want to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> so that was all I had to expect. I was like, well... So I suppose yours would be the expectations of a film that I would really want to yes. watch. So I feel we've got a lot of time. If you enjoy a film, mm. I'm with you in enjoying that. Um, yeah, me too. Chunk. Generally speaking, I yeah. think I think I think for you, Rob, I think you've got generally a decent taste yeah. in films. Oh, thank so you. So when you say you're, when you say you're excited, how many excited for films you are? So mm-hmm. I thought, oh, uh, going to. But again, nothing. I read the um, synopsis, and I was like, oh, I remember hearing this like through the grapevine a while ago. Mm. But um, I wanted to say, but I never got to. But no, it wasn't anything that was expected. I don't know. Completely agree. Yeah. I, for me, I the only thing that I really knew about Sorry to Bother You was that it, it featured a lot on quite a lot of critics' sort of top 10 end of sort of top 10 list of 2018 in terms of like your, your under-the-radar films that may not have been seen by a lot of people and, and are yeah. worth watching. Uh, and for, for some critics, it was on that top 10 list because it was one of their favourite films of the year. And I can absolutely see why, because it's got this brilliant balance of really smart comedic moments um, that you just weren't expecting, were just really well executed, a great script, really, really good script, actors who are clearly dedicated to... A, not taking themselves seriously or taking the whole thing seriously, but taking the the message of yeah. the film seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah, when Danny Glover came on and he said, you know, son, you've got to use your white voice, you know, because it... Because with with a, with a white voice, they automatically assume that you don't need their money. Yeah. That you and and as soon as that came in, you automatically knew that this was going. This film was going to explore themes of class, human rights, corporate greed, and all of that stuff is there for on a plate for you to just you know sort of to just gnaw at. You know, mm-hmm. I really really enjoyed this film, as you could probably tell. I, well, I'd say, and it did that in a fantastic way, where the, yeah. the conversations were. I think they were in the bar or something, and someone even said to Cassius Green yeah. about him being more white yes. than, than others, and they started to have these really interesting conversations. Yeah. So you had all that paired with then a visually interesting, like even before you get to the white voice, you have when he when he first makes a call, and the entire desk starts to shake and then drops into the place he's calling. I wrote calling, that down. Shot, was, shots that I love for yes. the whole thing. When, when Cassius is kind of in, quote-unquote, when he's from his desk he's put into people's houses and he is having that almost face-to-face conversation with them and Mm -hmm. him sort of when he at the beginning of the film when he's going through those kind of existential crises yes that that him him and his body language and his and his demeanor is translated into the way that he's trying to sell Mm -hmm. to these people um is fantastic but i'd say even that beginning part that you know it, it couldn't be bigger in terms of his thinking. Yeah. But then everything then filters down from that point as well. And it wasn't yeah. like just a, a singular point. It's like, this is a massive picture here. Yeah. And these are all the little caveats. And I'd say what's really interesting was the almost universe they presented. Because for the most of it, it was it was almost like an alternate 
uh, version, like in terms of the top t- um, top TV show, yeah, was yeah. You uh, know, very. <laughs> I I got the mm, kicked out of me, yes. yeah. And, yeah. But again, that but that you can see the parallels, which were, were yeah. why it was really clever in taking something like that show, which you'd think that's the most popular show on TV, and you, yeah. you see these parallels and think, well, yeah, like you do have tendencies for people to enjoy that. Yeah, I, I would say it, it almost feels kind of near future dystopic. Yeah. The theory of TV um, show is very like a distilled version of what people actually watch. Exactly. So it's like, this is essentially what most programmes are. Mm-hmm. It's mm. just this one is stating its case clearer, while other ones are like masking through other means. Yeah. I, I, I think one of, the, one of the key aspects of the film that we haven't explored yet is this, this, um, this huge corporation that is in the background of this film the entire time known as Worry Free. And the idea yeah. of Worry Free is that you go along to work at Worry Free, you live there, you get all your meals catered for, and you never have to worry about sort of, you know, financial uh, issues ever again, yeah. which ultimately is slavery. Yes. And it's this whole idea of what Worry Free represents mm-hmm how it rings very true with some corporate practices nowadays yeah. as well. So ultimately it's a comedy, but it's a comedy that has it's it I would I would say it's 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 a it's a comedy that um Boots Riley directed whilst having Spike Lee over his shoulder the whole time. <laughs> That's yeah. what it's got, it's got very like. similar to vibes. Well not vibes but so like the idea behind um Black Klansman that we talked about earlier. Oh, see, I, I think Black Klansman is a far more serious Oh, it's far film. more serious. Yeah. But if you go to the core roots of sort of like the ideas behind it, yes. I think it's definitely got the ideas there. I yeah. think so, but I think because Black Klansman was more serious, of course, it was more insular to that and true. That point, whereas <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry to Bother You was able to branch out and be quite mm-hmm. wide, like you're saying with Worry Free. Mm-hmm. We subscribe nowadays to so many different things that you'd start mm-hmm. questioning, well, am I am I making myself into a slave? And also, mm-hmm. I think that was the sort of, when I didn't know what the film was going to present, yeah. I thought, right, oh, so he's going to go into Worry Free and then it's going to explore that through. But it's quite interesting to see, actually, that's not what happened. And it, you, you, you couldn't see what was going to happen. No, you couldn't. But... <laughs> Since uh, as soon as the desk dropped, it made it yeah. an exciting film because you're thinking, "Oh, that's really interesting," and that yeah. creates that excitement to think, "What will he do next?" Like even when he was becoming a power caller and he was going into yeah. that lift, it was like, "Oh, wh- right, what's he going to find through there?" Yeah, and I think that's the thing. It, I think it was what was great about the film was it it is uh, it's a rabbit hole of mm. a film, and as you say, that that moment where it does take that that surreal visual metaphor moment where he, he crashes into people's houses as the telemarketer is you go, ah, oh, do you know what? I, I'm happy for this to happen because I'm enjoying the adventure down the rabbit hole and I want to see where it goes. And I have no, I had no idea where this film was going to go. And I had no idea that this film would, was going to end the way it did. And I'm glad, I'm glad it, I'm glad it did because it was really adventurous filmmaking, really adventurous script, not afraid to to try new and different things. Like there were definitely things in this film that I have never ever seen before in a film. And I would I would I would definitely go and watch this film again. And I think anybody that I think the less you know about this film, yeah. the better. Yeah. Absolutely, I would say that. And I think you 
you would do yourself a disservice by going out there and seeking particular plot points throughout this film I suppose it's without one, going to watch it's it. It's one first. of those films where you you can't find out what this film is about without yeah. watching it. You can, you just can't. You need to actually have that experience yeah. because there's so much in there when you start burrowing. And as well, I would say the, the aspect of it, like you're saying, in terms of comedy, and I wish I could think of an example of this, but at some points I felt like I was watching something like Naked Gun and it had some, some yes. of that sort of humour coming through, yeah. which was really interesting to see that that push through because like Naked Gun you don't take it seriously and there there isn't really uh, much to it whereas no. Sorry to Bother You took that then rammed it in with a few other genres and then just it, it had it brilliant it had brilliant visual jokes yeah. and it really good funny visual jokes but even though we're able to use uh, music incredibly effectively yeah. in, a, in a particular argument where the music does oh, all, you know what I mean yeah. it does all the comedy and it's like yeah. That's really funny. So it, he was working on all these different aspects. It's not just one joke then repeated no. or in one particular style. It's just all thrown in there to make this film. He Boots Riley is definitely a director that I would I'll be interested to sort of follow yeah. what he does next. I don't think we'll get another film from him for a while because I think to create something of this nature that is this layered and an intricate and well executed, takes a lot of time. And I think what's brilliant, when I look back over the film, ultimately the film starts off by saying the the one piece of advice that Cassius gets is stick to the script. <laughs> and one thing you can say about Sorry, Sorry to Bother You is that in, in no circumstances does this film stick to the script nice. at all, does yeah. it? No. You know, um, my favourite... I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to spoil one little bit of dialogue here. One little bit. Oh. Uh, Tessa, Thompson, <laughs> Tessa Thompson's character, is she called Detroit? Yeah, Detroit. Yeah, right. She, her and Cassius are having an argument about something. And he has tried to move away from a particular part of the argument to, to address something. And she says you sidestep more than the temptations. And for me, that's the line <laughs> of the film. It's so, I laughed my head off because I just thought that's so, I'm going to use that in the future if I have any arguments with anybody <laughs> and they try to not address my question. Are you going to so, wear massive earrings as well? Yeah, I, that, that's another thing as well. I found costume really good. Yeah, well, that's what I I'm think, saying. Oh, yeah, I, all parts of this film come together to make something amazing. There, there was, so, there was, now, it's not without its flaws. No. And I think there's there's certain little bits. For example, there is a uh, a love affair thing that goes on in the film that doesn't completely work for me. Right, okay. Um, did it stand. work for you? Um, parts of it I quite liked. I, like, I yeah. like the exploration with their relationship and actually... It wasn't distracting. Yeah. I, yeah, so I, I, I don't really mind okay. it. I, I think if it, if it had gone too much and become too much of a plot point, actually yeah. it wouldn't have been what this film is because it was more to... Yeah. It's funny because it almost explored really true-to-life things whilst at the same time being completely bizarre and out there. Mm -hmm. um, if it was gone, clever. I wouldn't be angry. No. But I don't feel like I noticed it really taken away from anything else okay so i wasn't too bothered um i would like, that, that was probably the weakest part i would like to give a special shout out to the editor of this film terrell or terrell gibson <laughs> who i i think that the editing in this film is really yeah. really well done um because i think without that editing flair and without the way that i mean it's not over edited it's the way that it's edited is is very good at being able to 
changed the ebb and flow of the film really nicely, really organically as the film goes on. And and that for me was a really big plus point. Um, for me, this is, as a film, it's one of the most surreal, but one of the most effective call to protest films I think I've ever seen. Um, and it, it does in a, in a, in a fun, psychedelic um, and very explicit way asks you to kind of reflect and address upon where our society is going. 100%. I think we'd just leave it at that. I think that's pretty much capped it all off. So is it a classic? Oh, sorry, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rob's kind of missed the whole point. We've named it as a classic. Okay. My concern is, is that not enough people will go and see yes, this film. Yes, that would be my one. I think it definitely deserves to be. It is, in its current status, could be a cult classic. Um, I think depending what the boots... I'm going to, Riley. Yes. What he does as well, it might, if you know, if he does another film that a lot more people see, yeah, then there'll there'll be more people then seeing this film and it'll. A lot of people who are asked what I said, oh, uh, I'll be seeing. Sorry, above you, and you will go over. Oh, um, uh, Black Man puts a white voice on to get more sales. Yeah. A lot of them always go, oh yes, I heard of that and I want to see it, but yeah. I never got round to seeing it. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like uh, that, it is interest. Because it's how you do it service yeah. to to get people to watch it because it's really hard to explain yeah, what it actually exactly. is because it that's that's, that's all you can just... we, all you can see is really excitedly the basically the first five minutes yeah, yeah and the reason why you don't the reason why you don't want to say anything more than that is because you don't want to spoil the film oh, for no. them mm-hmm. you know you've got to just leave it at you know cash is green <laughs> poor guy becomes a telemarketer is given some advice by an old codger. To sorry, Danny Glover, <laughs> to to put on his white voice in order to get more sales, and then from there you, you go down something ra- else. You go you go <laughs> down the rabbit you go down the rabbit hole. I really want this to be a classic though because uh, a lot of comedies are being made now um, just rely on people like um, the script of like what people are seeing to mm-hmm. generate the comedy, and there's never usually the visual comedies have just someone getting hurt. But there's no, there's not yeah, usually. It's, it's a lot of this sort of anchorman. Yeah. Sort of comedy. But there's not very much in most comedies now. There's not very much loads of visual. Yeah. And definitely with sound, sounds not used loads within comedy. But this, said the argument scene, right? The way that the music's played. Swells, yeah. Right. So I think this uses basically the whole roster of comedy film telling. Yeah. Which a lot of them do, and so I hope this is a classic. So we there's, a, there's, a, there's a great gag within like the first 15 minutes of the film. There's a great gag about a visual gag yeah. about the uh, the VIP section of a bar. Oh yes, which is yes. really <laughs> which is really funny and and so true yeah. as well. Really, really true. So that's what I'm saying. It, it yeah yeah. So so classic classic. We hope classic. we hope, we hope so. it is. We, classic we, for us. <laughs> right. In which case, our our call to order then is to go out and spread the good word of sorry to bother you. Fantastic. Yeah. Let's break into some people's houses. <laughs> Funny games. Yeah. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> and now it's time for the good, the bad, and, and the, the Bowron. What have you got for us this week, Adam? Film, 1993. <laughs> Good <Yeah>. start. <laughs> uh, it has a 32% critic, 
rating uh-huh. and a 44% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Fantastic. Uh, it stars Ed Harris and Max von Sydow. 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 Mm. And it is... It's alright, no, it, it's fine. He's just one of the greatest actors of all time, that's all. Oh, at least yeah. he's not going to be offended. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's based on a Stephen King book. Oh. oh, I know it. I know it. I think I know it. Is it, by any <laughs> chance, Needful Things? Yes, Needful Things. Needful I've seen things. it. I've seen this film. Seen um, I, I have not, but I've read the book. I'm reading it at the minute. Oh. Um, and that's what brought me to this. So Needful Things, the film... It is basically... Uh... <laughs> we're glad we've established that it's a film. <laughs> <laughs> Max is uh, plays a new shop owner. He's opening like, a little town, so like very Stephen King-esque mm-hmm. little town. And um, he opens a shop called Needful Things, which sells Needful Things. Mm. Um, basically has everything basically people would want. And it always charges what uh, people believe it's worth. Yes. And a lot of the times, it is half of it's money, but the other half is a favour, mm-hmm. which uh, appear innocent enough. I think one was he told the kid to mess up someone's washing line, which <laughs> <laughs> which seems innocent enough, but that uh, leads to um, well a very Stephen King esque sort of kerfuffle. Um, in it, but yes, so Kerfuffle's an Kerfuffle. understatement, I would say. Carry um, on. To me, and the whole thing is he, the whole town kind of goes against each other in different various ways. It's all orchestrated by the owner of Needful Things, yeah. And Ed Harris is a police sheriff, uh, and he's trying to tell him what to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> During so, the kerfuffle. So he's, so he's basically the Jerry Springer yeah. of the uh, of this town. Ed Harris, in the middle of a Stephen King kerfuffle, is telling everyone to just chill out. Um, but no, this film, I actually think this is one of the strongest Stephen King films. Because uh, he's got a lot of lot of good films that are based on his books, such as Misery and The Shining, which are recognised as... Well, The Shining's loosely based Yeah, loosely. Yeah. But you know, like, from that, uh, which I know... So Misery. Yeah, <laughs> so misery. I think Dolores Claiborne's all right as well. Yes, Shawshank Redemption. Extent. I don't yeah. know how Shawshank close Redemption. that is. Yeah. Green but, Mile. Green Mile. So you got like, right, but then you've also got other ones, which Dark Half is that one? Yeah, uh-huh. ones that no one's heard of. Yeah. Um, but this one I think is a very strong film that is based off one of his books, and is underrated. So I don't understand why it's forty-four percent because the way that yeah it is. He gets a shopkeeper and how he makes everyone turn each other very small at the beginning and slowly escalates throughout so someone just ends up having an AK or something. I, I remember watching this film. Sorry, I interrupted you. But Is this with your dad? On a Sunday. No, 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 no. I remember watching this film uh, and I think I, I must have been in year 10, year 11 at school and I remember watching it and I remember thinking to myself that it might just be that nostalgia is getting in the way of what the actual quality of the film is because I've watched it so long ago. But I I remember it being a really effective film. And I do remember it being like I remember, oh yeah, there's a real there's a real lesson to the story here, which is, you know, don't 
don't go to that shop. Don't go. To, <laughs> don't, don't go to that shop. But also be careful, kind of what you wish for. You know, because you know the grass is not always green on the other side. That sort of thing. And I, but I did, I did figure out quite early on the true intentions of the shopkeeper in yeah, the but, things as well. I, I, I find this quite interesting because I've read a lot of Stephen King books, and often at the end they do go off on yeah. on random kerfuffles. Um, which are not necessarily always the best thing about Stephen King's books, um, but needful things out of them all. I I really enjoyed. I like it when he takes a town and you, and you learn all about them. And yeah. needful things is really good. So yeah. I I think it would make a, a, a quite a good. Um, I yeah film. I I wouldn't I would not say that this is a quote unquote bad film. Maybe I need to go back and rewatch it. Maybe that's what I need to do. Yeah. No, but I was shocked. I remember seeing you being very effective in the way it's done. Uh, the acting's pretty solid. Yeah. By everyone involved. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a worthy effort. It is a worthy. I yeah. think now I would say it's the I would say it's the best directed, best acted, best. I would say it's the best thing ever. But I think if you are, it doesn't deserve to be that. It that doesn't deserve rating. to be so. I would say it's seven out of ten. Right. It's, okay. It's not without. Yeah. redeemable things I think it's incredibly effective and entertaining yeah you've, got, you've, just, you've got me convinced yeah, yeah. by yeah. all means if, if I get the opportunity I don't know for, how close for this once, is for once in the good the bad and the Balron, I'm on your side Adam you are on my side before fly too yeah, I was partially on this side. <laughs> He's fully on board. I'm fully on board. Very vengeance. For needful things. Still haven't watched it properly. Who killed Captain Alex? Yeah, I'm not going to waste my time. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think I'll give that a, give that a go. There we go. Oh, Fantastic. Well, right. once I've watched all the other ones you recommended. Yeah. Lovely. Great. Good weekend for you. And now on to our 30 second recommendations. we're coming to the end of our podcast now we hope you've enjoyed listening we've just got a couple of uh, bits of business to wrap up first of all uh adam has one of his plot twist things to do explain what a plot what our plot twist game is adam it is a film that is explained badly essentially the plot's explained yeah, the very plot, badly the plot's explained badly and people have to guess at home what the film is Ooh. we also have to guess yes, what the film too. is because frankly you're your previous plot explanations have been I awful. I think you like this one. And I've, I've been very one. angry at some of it them It hasn't before. been that successful so no, far. No, But I think if we keep working up to it, we could really break Mr. Day. Right, Adam. <laughs> no, I don't want you to break me. You can't break me. Adam, Challenge. give us your plot twist. Jolly Boys, Alton to the cinema. What? Johnny Boys. Jolly Boys. Jolly Boys. Jolly. Jolly Boys. Alton to the cinema. Son of Rambo. That is Jolly Boys out in to the cinema. Outing. Out in. Or out in. Out in. Out in. So if you at home know this, you can contact us at... At Talking Here, R-B-A-D. On Twitter or our email. <laughs> I'm.talking.here.rbad at gmail.com. Again, for the last time, it is Jolly Boys out in to the cinema. This like could this could this could be anything. This could it could be Jaws. It could it could actually it, knowing Adam, it could be Jaws. Well, cinema isn't going to be a cinema. It could be Minority it's Report. It's going to be like a cardboard box. It literally could be Minority Report. It could be. 
Okay. It could. It okay. could be Blade Runner. It could. It could <laughs> again. It could be, it could be Blade, Blade Runner. Runners. Could you imagine? Fam. It could. You know. How do you get so quickly? It, it could be Narnia. Shall... It could possibly be Narnia. Don't be so anyway, boys right. So let's move on to our th quick thirty-second recommendations. Okay. Um, Adam, we're going to start with you. When you're ready, five, four, three, two, one. Recommend. All right, man, Napoleon Dynamite, very funny film. I watched it on the plane back from Africa. Uh, I think this is, right, it's just really good. I think the humour in it has everything I kind of like. It's got the visual humour, the actual wordy humour, and, <laughs> and the soundy humour. And it, it's one of those films I need to get you're a done. load of people. Oh, you're, man, you you're didn't cut me in. You're done. You should have cut me it. in. 30 seconds. No, I think you have five more seconds. No, yeah, five seconds. It's... This is the first film... Me and my girlfriend ever watched it. Oh, oh, I wish I'd given you the five more seconds. Minus man. points. Don't <laughs> don't bring love oh. into the situation. Well, you've mentioned your first and your first. Because oh. yours is the road. Oh, God, yes, it was. <laughs> and what was yours? Oh, you Mrs. remember his? Oh, Benjamin Button. Benjamin Button. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to get this out of the way. Pauline we'll Dunham. break up a week later. And then uh, <laughs> I can watch more films sure, with another one. Miss, Mrs. Day has never forgiven me for, for I'm not that surprised, being the first nor film we went she. to go and see. Um, yeah, also, Napoleon Dynamite, Dynamite, difficult to recommend it when everyone and their dog has already watched it. I don't think they have. Okay. I think, the, yeah, the younger generation. Younger generation have. It was big. Fair enough. When it was. <laughs> <laughs> but, but every, every, like... Everyone, Everyone yeah. should, but I don't okay. think now. I've I go to a lot of people and I see Napoleon Dynamite, just like. Rob, over to you. Okay. Five, four, three, <laughs> so two, one. Recommend. I'm going to recommend The Autopsy of Jane Doe. This is a delightful little horror film. It's got Emil Hirsch in it and Brian Cox. Um, it is directed by Andre Orendal. He's got like a, a slash for the O there. Um, it's quite self-contained. There's not many characters to it. And just using that premise, it really builds up, creates that tension there, creates your scares there, and is just a little hidden gem. So do go and watch it. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. Nice one. Yeah. What's the, it called again? The oh, you've run out of time. Sorry. Uh, no, just go on. Go on. <laughs> the with everyone. The, the Autopsy of Jane Doe. Have the you seen it? No, but no. I, I will. I will watch Have it. Have you seen it? No. Proves my point. Whereas everyone's seen Napoleon Dynamite. Autopsy. You haven't. Jane Doe. So it's the same guy who's just uh, done scary stories to tell in the dock. Okay. I'll check it out. Lovely. You ready for yours? Yeah. Right. Three, two, one. Go. The film that I would like to recommend is called Lean on Pete, and it tells the story of a, a young high school lad um, who is who befriends a, a horse trainer and his um, sometimes go-to horse jockey friend. Um, and but more importantly, he befriends one of the horses called <laughs> Lean on Pete. And the whole idea of it is this coming of age story of him and this horse. Lovely. Called Lean on Pete. Is it his lovely horse? My lovely, lovely, it, it is, lovely horse. It is a lovely horse. It's oh, a lovely, fantastic. gentle horse who, who, yeah, anyway. Would I'm you recommend it to me, seeing as I, I'm scared of horses? Are you would, really? Would it be a horror film for me? Are you scared of I horses? I don't trust horses. Why? Oh, oh I haven't heard don't the story. Don't get me started with horses. We don't have enough time in the podcast. What? Right, but horses are majestic and no, loyal. No, horses are evil. And loyal Four creatures. Four horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> 
right? It's any, not the riders, any other, it's the horses. Are you afraid of snakes? No, snakes no, are fine. Uh, but snake, uh, snake is the reason why Adam and Eve uh, got chucked out of the garden. Eve. No, no, that was that an apple. Fault. That was an apple. No, that's why I'm scared that of apples. That was Eve's fault. Don't, don't that's you, why you're scared of women. <laughs> you chauvinist, Adam, honestly. Lilith was better. That's, that's good, that's a deep dive, yeah, Lilith, yeah. Anyway. Right. <laughs> For those who Okay. Mm. So, um, to cap it all off, please do go check out Sorry to Bother You. Why not check out our 30 second recommendations as well? And why not go and check out some of the films that we explored in our What the Film moments at the beginning of the podcast. But for now, it leaves us to say adieu. And Rob, sign us out. I'm leaving here. Thanks, everybody.